for just a few moments this morning to imagine yourself five years down the road from where you are right now. You've gotten through coronavirus. Maybe right now you're thinking, I just want to endure. I just want to get through this season. But you have a conversation with yourself five years down the road from now. Five years self down into the future comes and visits you at your dining room table today and says, hey, here's what I learned. Here's a few things that, that, that we learned together going through coronavirus when we got through all of this. This is not just uh, ways that we can endure it. This is not just ways we can get through it, but these are ways, these are things, indicators in our life that God wants to do in, in our hearts and in our lives to where we can actually thrive coming through this season of uncertainty that we've just, it's coronavirus everywhere. Everywhere you turn, that's what we, where we find ourselves in. You know, I've been asking myself uh, some similar questions to this. You know, God, what, what do you want to do in my heart right now? Well, what do you want to change? Well, what do you want to, in many ways, sort of build back up or reconstruct, reconstruct in my life and in my heart? Well, what are the things that on the other side of this that, that need to remain the same? And then what are the things that need to change? You know, my family, we've been asking similar questions about, about what needs to change about our rhythms and our patterns and, and our habits that we have in our home. And in many ways, doing the same thing about our church. You know, what, what, when we can finally gather back together again, what needs to stay the same? And, and then where do we need to align ourselves? Where, what things need to change so we can align ourselves more to be the church that God really wants us to be on the other side of that? Well, today we're going to look in this series called Psalms of Hope. We're going to look at a psalm that I believe is going to give us a, 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 so much hope today in our lives. And we're going to look at this psalm, Psalm 131. It, it, it is part of this collection of psalms that we find in our scriptures that's called the Psalms of Ascent. And Psalm 131, the psalmist here, David, gives us this picture of this sort of this rebuilt, this reconstructed heart. And it's really helpful to know the story of David. Many of us may know the story, but, but I want to give us this, this story of David that takes up a lot of our Old Testament. I want to give it to us in about 30 seconds. David was the one who killed Goliath. He was the one who was named, he was anointed to be the next king of Israel. Uh, he was brought into Saul's house, but Saul, he began to pursue his life and David fled for his life. Uh, this is David who who all throughout his life was, in many ways, he was misunderstood at times. He, he, he survived a few different, you know, uh, he skated a few accusations of, of being, you know, uh, of usurping the throne, uh, if you want to call it that. Uh, this is even David, who when he did finally begin to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem, did it the wrong way, and, and, and part of the tribe, the crew that was with David, died because of it. But now we find David, he's, he's finally got the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God back into the city of Jerusalem. And this is what David writes, and it would be my hope and prayer for you today, that you would take these words of the psalmist, that you would apply them into your life, and you would allow, you would almost hold this up as a picture, and you would allow God to begin to mold your heart, to shape your heart, to change your heart, to, to resemble this psalm. So Psalm 131, if you've got your scriptures, you can go there. If you've got your YouVersion Bible app, you can pull that up as well. Or if you don't have any of the above, it's all right. The scripture is gonna be on the screen. The psalmist writes these first three verses in this psalm. It's all it is is three verses. He says this, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. 
My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. Verse three, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. So the first indicator of this, of this heart that's been rebuilt, this reconstructed heart that we see is this, is that it's a humble heart. The psalmist gets right to the heart of the matter. He goes right for it and he says, in many ways, I have been humbled. He says, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. You know, he's saying here, hey, you know what? If you're humble, if you've got a humble heart, your eyes are not gonna be too lifted up. Another translation says, your eyes are not gonna be haughty. You know, if you're humble, you're not gonna concern yourself with matters too great and too marvelous for your comprehension. It's as if the psalmist is looking at us and he is saying, hey, here's the reality. There are just some events in life some things in life, some circumstances in this life that this side of heaven, we just can't understand. We just cannot begin to comprehend. And I wanna say to you today, if you're a skeptic watching this and and maybe you find it really hard to believe in God, maybe someone has hurt you who who claim to follow Jesus, they've just hurt you deeply and, and it's raised all kinds of questions and doubts in your life. This is what I wanna say to you today. The psalmist in many ways is speaking into your doubt and, and into your unbelief. He's giving you permission to allow for a little bit of mystery in your life that you don't have to have everything figured out, that you don't have to, have, you don't have to understand exactly the way that the universe and exactly the way that God works. He's simply saying here, hey, my heart has surrendered to those things. There are things, there are events, there are circumstances in my life that are just too great. They are just too marvelous for me. There are some things I just can't, simply can't know. And the psalmist is saying here, that's okay. Why? Because humility is what is being produced in my heart. And I, I want you to hear me today. God wants you to have a humble heart. He wants you to be humble. Listen to the words of Proverbs 16, verse five. So the, the writer he, of Proverbs, he writes this, the Lord detests all the proud, of heart. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever had a time in your life where your, your, your arrogance, your pride was just exposed? Maybe you thought, man, I'm the stuff, and then you quickly realized, yeah, maybe I'm not. I had a similar situation happen to me uh, back in 2008. My family moved to Dallas, Texas. Um, it, it, I went on staff at a wonderful church. In many ways, it was, it was the dream job. I mean, let's just be honest. It was the dream job. Uh, I, I felt like this was in many ways sort of the pinnacle of my career. It could not get any better than what it was. And, and I remember uh, moving there and just being in awe of, of the surroundings and the facility and the staff and so much. And my arrogance and pride got put on display because I moved there thinking I am the stuff. I've got this figured out. 
And I remember right about the time in, in my brand new office that they had built, uh, it was an ex, a remodel in part of the building and it was a brand new office, right about the time I got settled in with this beautiful panoramic view over this shopping district area there in Highland Park, right about the time the leather on my new uh, office chair got broke in. My boss came down the hall one day and said to me, hey, we're, we're gonna have to move your office. Uh, we've gotta make some room in here for some new team members that we're bringing on and, and we need to move you. And I thought, hey, great, no problem. This campus takes up seven city square blocks. No big deal, they'll find me a great place. You know where I ended up? The top of the choir loft in the choir room in a closet. That's where my office ended up. My office was so tiny that if I left my office for a meeting, if I didn't push my chair, my old rickety chair up underneath my, my old rickety desk, if I didn't push it up all the way underneath when I left, I couldn't even get my door open all the way without hitting the chair. And you know what happened in that moment? My arrogance and my pride got confronted because of the circumstance that I found myself in. You know what, what also took place in that moment? Is my heart became angry. It, 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 humility was not a, a fruit that just erupted in my life in that moment. No, it was anger. I felt like I deserved more. I felt like I deserved better. I started to concern myself with things, with matters too great for me. But the Lord used that moment. He used that moment to expose that in my life. And I'm so thankful for that because apart from that moment, if I had stayed in that nice, cushy, comfortable office, I don't know that in that season, that part of my heart would have been exposed. You think of all of the great failures of the people that we see in scripture. The, the, the failures of, of heroes in the Bible. What began to happen in their life? Pride, arrogance, a lack of humility is what began to be put on display. It is quite possible that right now in this season, in this season of your life, that the Lord wants to use this season to expose similar conditions of your heart. Then instead of having a humble heart, the Lord wants to use this season to expose the, the arrogance, the pride in your heart to then in turn cultivate humility, a humble heart in your life. That's the first indicator. The second indicator is this, is a content heart. And this one is really challenging. Listen to what the psalmist writes here in verse two. He says, but I have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother, like a weaned child is my soul within me. One, one scholar that I uh, read this week, he wrote this. He said, weaned from what? Self-sufficiency, self-will, self-seeking, from creatures and the things of the world, not indeed as to their use, but as to any dependence upon them for his happiness and portion. Here's a news flash for you. That next Amazon delivery that's scheduled to come this week is not going to bring contentment to your life. That next toy that you've been eyeing to spend part or all of that stimulus check on after the new wears off, it is not going to bring contentment to your soul. 
Now, maybe finding some toilet paper and some hand sanitizer the next time you go to a store might bring some temporary contentment to your life. But as the writer in Ecclesiastes even said, all the things under the sun, they are meaningless apart from a relationship with God. These things that we put so much confidence in to bring contentment to our life, we're gonna find that they leave us longing and wanting for more. One scholar this, this, that I read this week, he went on to say this. David phrased this with an emphasis on what he did. Of course, it was ultimately the work of God within him, but it was vitally connected to his own will and choices. God didn't do this for him. God used the operation of David's choice. We must choose to calm and quiet our soul. You think about what Paul wrote in Philippians 4. You think about Paul's life, that, that he was imprisoned, that he was beaten, that he was shipwrecked. All these things that were going on in the apostle Paul's life as he was trying to advance the message of the kingdom of God into that part of the world in that season of history. And Paul writes this, Philippians 4, 12. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. But then, this is powerful, three words. He says this, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Paul, even the apostle Paul had to learn contentment. This is not a reflex, guys. This is something that we have to cultivate in our lives. We have to, we have to work on this. This is, this is something that, that doesn't necessarily come natural to us. It takes some effort on our part to find contentment in Christ. We don't just wake up about our day and go on about our day, never, never thinking about uh, uh, how we're praying in our life, never reading and studying God's word, never leaning into biblical community, never serving one another and, and giving of our, of our finances. We, we never go through these things in life and then one day magically and mysteriously wake up and go, oh, I'm so contented in Christ. I found so much contentment in him. It's never gonna happen. Your eyes have been on everything else that the world has to offer. And the psalmist here is saying, no, 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 like a weaned child, I've calmed and quieted my soul. The old hymn, one of the lines of this old hymn says, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. And many of us, Right now, we look around the world and we say, man, all around me, it feels like it just is giving way. But would we identify with the end of that line of that old hymn to say, no, 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 he then, in those moments, not when everything is just necessarily going good, but even when all around is giving way, then he is my hope and stay. That would be my prayer for you is that you find contentment in Christ. So we have here, we have this idea of a humble heart. We have a content heart, but then the psalmist gives us this third indicator of this rebuilt, this reconstructed heart for God. 
Listen to what he says here. It is a hopeful heart. He says in verse three, O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And I love the, the communal aspect. This, he's bringing the, the people into this. It's as if he's saying, I have experienced hoping in the Lord and I have experienced the results of that in my soul. Now I want you to do the same, to put your hope in him. And this is what I want for you. Not just now in this moment in the midst of COVID-19 and uncertainty and fear and, and when is everything gonna get back to normal and when is life just gonna go back to the way it used to be? Not just now, but to echo what the Psalm says, both, both from this time forth and forevermore. I love what one scholar wrote. He says this, let his faithful people hope and trust, not in themselves, their wisdom or their power, but in Jehovah alone, who will not fail to exalt them. So we've got a humble heart. We have got a content heart and we've got a hopeful heart. But what I want to do now is I want to give you, uh, these, are, these are the fruit in our lives. This is what sort of erupts uh, out of our lives. But what I want to do is I want to go below the waterline and I want, to, I want to look at the soil of what's getting cultivated that produces this fruit in our life. And, 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 and it's built around these three words, the idea of submission, gratitude, and remember. And I want to start with remember that if you want to cultivate a hopeful heart, what you need to do is you need to cultivate a, an attitude of remembering God in your life. You start with remember. When we remember what Jesus has done, we can take hope in what he will continue to do. That's the power of taking the Lord's Supper every week. When, when we gather together, and, and right now it's looking different because we're in our homes, we're in our living rooms, we're at our kitchen table, wherever we may find ourselves, but it's the power of taking the Lord's Supper. And sure, there's some weeks where, man, we're, we're, we're incredibly impacted by it, and there's other weeks where it does feel maybe you know not as special as it's felt in other times. Our hearts are not super connected to it in that moment. But that's the power of the Lord's Supper, coming back to it week in and week out is why. We remember the sacrifice of Jesus. We don't forget it. We don't let it get too far away from our lives. We come back to it. And when we remember what Christ has done, it gives us confidence to go into the future and have confidence for what he will continue to do. So that's the first, uh, first you know, part of this, this soil that we need to cultivate in our life is, is, is this idea of, of remembering God. But the second one is this, is gratitude. Gratitude. If you want to have a heart that is content, cultivate gratitude in your life. Listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 107, verses 8 and 9. He says this, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. You see, gratitude is so closely connected to contentment. James, the half-brother of Jesus, wrote in, in James, he says this, that every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. When, when my heart begins to move away from being content, you know what is often happening in my life? I have slipped away from gratitude. 
When my heart begins to move away from being content, it is often because I have slipped away. I've moved away from gratitude. I've become less and less grateful for the blessings in my life, for the good things that God has done and is doing in my life. So if you wanna, if you wanna produce this, uh, this idea of a hopeful heart, cultivate remembering God. And if you wanna produce a content heart in your life, cultivate the idea of gratitude in your life. But the last one is this, and I, I kinda saved the best and the hardest for last. If you wanna cultivate a humble heart in your life, if that's the, the fruit that you want to see produced, what we need to cultivate in our lives is, is a practice of submission. It, it's a practice of submission. And we don't like this idea in, in our modern culture of submitting. The only thing that we submit to is ourselves in many times. Whatever my will is, whatever I want to do, that's what I'm going to do. But, but the idea of, think about it for just a minute, the idea of submitting to God, the maker and the creator and the sustainer of the universe. Think, think about that for just a moment. That, that your life has, has, you have the privilege and the opportunity to surrender your will to the one who knows you, who made you. As, as the, 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 the Bible word there, the imago Dei, that you're created in the image of God. What would happen in your life if you began to practice that, 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 that and cultivate that in your life of submitting to God? Paul gives us, you know, this picture in Romans 8 of a life that is opposed to the submission of God. Listen to what he writes here in Romans 8. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 5 through 8. And for many of us, Paul has just sort of shined a spotlight on our lives about why our life is so messed up. It's because we've never submitted to God. We've never submitted our lives to the one who made us. We've never submitted our lives to the one who knows us. We've never submitted our lives to the one who will sustain our lives both now and forever. And so today, here's what I wanna invite you to do. I wanna invite you to begin that journey with God by submitting your life to him. You, you, you just right now in your living room, at your kitchen table, wherever you may find yourself watching this, you, you just say this, this simple idea of God, I'm, my, my heart's messed up, my life is messed up, my, my, my soul is messed up, and I just wanna submit to you. Maybe you've been following Jesus for a long time, but your heart is really strayed from that. Maybe your heart is just, you know, it's, it's just kind of gone like this. Today is a great day to say, Jesus, I, I want to recenter my life on you. I want to submit my life to your will and to your plan, to your purposes for my life. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a prayer. 
And at the end of that prayer, we're gonna sing another song, and then I'm gonna come back up here in just a few minutes, and I'm gonna lead us in a time where we're gonna reflect on the Lord's Supper, but in this prayer that I'm getting ready to pray, I wanna pray for you specifically, that if you find yourself in a place where you need to submit your life to God, that you would do that today. And what I would ask that you do is you would take a step and connect Take a step and get connected. Just email me, jason at gracehill901.com. I would love to know how we can serve you as a church, how we can come alongside of you and resource you to help you grow in your faith. So let's pray together. We're gonna sing one more song and then we're gonna take the Lord's Supper here in just a few minutes. Let's pray. Father, I love you, and, and I pray today that if there's somebody uh, that, is, that is tuning in to this live stream today, and they know that their heart is hostile to God, that, that their heart is, is, not, uh, is not calmed, it's, it's not quieted, their, their heart is full of pride and, and arrogance, they've never submitted to you, I pray today that you would give them the boldness and the courage to take that step to surrender their life to you, that they would confess with their mouth that they're not Lord, but that you're Lord. That, that they would confess with their mouth that they're not the, the, the sustainer of their life, that you are. And they would confess with their mouth that there is nothing and no one that loves them as much as you do. God, I pray for anybody that, that may find themselves and they just feel like they've drifted, that the cares of this world, the pleasures of this world, the things of this world have just, they've just gotten in the way. And, and, and at one point in their life, maybe they really did love you a, a lot, but they've just drifted. I pray today that you would bring them back to a similar place where they would submit their lives to you. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Grace Hill Podcast. We really hope you found this message compelling and inviting. If you'd like to connect with someone to find out more about Grace Hill Church or maybe discuss this episode or something else about life or faith, please don't hesitate to reach out to us directly at gracehill901.com. We'd really love to connect and discuss anything with you. And please remember, you matter. You matter.